Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 78 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a heroic show lined up for you today. Yes, indeed, heroic, because today is the first in a series of special editions whereby my guests and I will be discussing our heroes of hypnosis and talking about their contribution to the field of hypnosis and much more besides. So in a short while, I'll be sharing with you the lowdown on the history and the fundamentals of the work of my very own hero, Emil Kue. I'll make reference to his past and will then condense as much as possible of the Kueism approach into this show for you to enjoy, apply or just be impressed with. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as many of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feelings, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please do go give us a favourable rating, perhaps even a review over at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. Uh, it takes a few seconds and one or two clicks just to give us a favourable rating. So what are you waiting for? So, today is our first special Heroes of Hypnosis edition of the Hypnosis Weekly Podcast, a series that will run and be shared here randomly from time to time, and I'm taking on the first edition, I'm, I'm setting the stage, so to speak, and I'm going to be talking about Emil Kue, a real hero of mine for sure. For now, get comfy my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's Heroes of Hypnosis special edition. So this week's hero of hypnosis, by his full name, is Emile Coué de la Chatanray. Uh, he was born on the 26th of February 1857 and passed away on the 2nd of July 1926. He was a, a French psychologist and formerly a pharmacist who introduced a very popular method of psychotherapy and self-improvement that was based upon optimistic auto-suggestion. I shall quote him. Tous les jours à tout point de vue, je vais de mieux en mieux. And that is the famous, well-coined affirmation, every day in every way, I am getting better and better. So, Kueism and conscious auto-suggestion is, is, is our topic for today. And um, an excerpt from Emil Kue's book, Self-Mastery Through Conscious Auto-Suggestion, his 1922 book, goes something like this. 
Every morning before getting up and every evening as soon as you are in bed, shut your eyes and repeat twenty times in succession, moving your lips. This is indispensable. And counting mechanically on a long string with twenty knots the following phrase. Day by day, in every way, I am getting better and better. Do not think of anything particular, as the words in every way apply to everything. Make this auto-suggestion with confidence, with faith, with the certainty of obtaining what you want. The greater the conviction, the greater and the more rapid will be the results obtained. Further, every time in the course of the day or night that you feel any distress, physical or mental, immediately affirm to yourself that you will not consciously contribute to it and that you are going to make it disappear. Then isolate yourself as much as possible. Shut your eyes and passing your hand over your forehead if it is something mental or over the part which is painful. If it is something physical, repeat extremely quickly, moving your lips, the words, It is going. It is going, it is going, etc., as long as it may be necessary. With a little practice, the physical or mental distress will have vanished in 20 to 25 seconds. Begin again whenever it is necessary. Avoid carefully any effort in practicing auto-suggestion. So uh, the reason that I, that I read this particular excerpt is because I think it's it's like the most sort of condensed description of, of his approach uh, throughout his work. I'm going to go into to, to things in a much more, much more depth in a short while. So Kuei's family were from the Brittany region of France, uh, with their origins in French nobility. Um, um, despite that, th th they were from a very modest background. And Kuei was a brilliant pupil in school. He initially intended to become an analytical chemist. However, he eventually abandoned these studies as his father, who was a railroad worker, was uh, in a rather precarious financial state. So Kuei decided to become a pharmacist and graduated with a degree in pharmacology in 1876. And working as an apothecary in Troyes from 1882 to 1910, Kuei quickly discovered what later came to be known as the placebo effect, um, uh, another very favourite topic of mine. And he became known for reassuring his clients by praising each remedy's efficiency and leaving a small positive note with each uh, given medication. In 1886 and 1887, he studied with Ambrose Auguste Liebolt and Hippolyte Bernheim, who were the two leading exponents of hypnotism in Nancy. They ran the, the very famous Nancy school at the time. In 1910, Kuei sold his business and retired to Nancy, where he opened a clinic that continuously delivered some 40,000 treatments per year. Uh, that's according to the book of Baudouin in 1920. Uh, someone I'm going to refer to a great deal um, today. Um, um, and um, in 1913, Kuei and, and his wife founded the Lorraine Society of Applied Psychology. Um, and his book, Self Mastery Through Conscious Autosuggestion, was published in England in 1920, in the United States in 1922. And although Kuei's teachings were during his lifetime much more popular in Europe than in the US, um, his 
his uh, methods were very much adopted in the US by by famous uh, advocates such as Maxwell, Maltz, Napoleon Hill, um, Norman Vincent Peale, um, Clement Stone, um, all became famous in their own right by spreading his words and his approach. So um, um, when the French pharmacist that is Emile Couet was aged 28. He met the great, as I said earlier, Ambrose Auguste Libault, um, who himself was a country doctor and assisted him for about two years in his hypnotic clinic in Nancy. By 1901, Couet had started to employ a technique of hypnotic induction by graduated waking suggestions. Um, by 1910, Kuei had pretty much abandoned classical hypnotism in favour of his own technique of conscious auto-suggestion. And this is whereby subjects are taught how to use suggestion and imagination for themselves. Um, and, and it was at this point, really, that Kuei founded a movement he termed the New Nancy School, in reference to the, the formerly mentioned Nancy School of Hypnosis that was founded by Liebold, who um, had passed away a few years earlier. Kuei made it clear, uh, he made it very clear, and it's quite a brave move on his part. The reason that he abandoned hypnotic inductions of Liebold and um, um, his eminent student Hippolyte Bernheim, who I'm a great fan of as well, was because he found that some people did not sleep, so-called, when instructed to do so. Some people did not respond to suggestions. Um, um, and he saw this as a bit of a failure and became prematurely disillusioned with the treatment. He would even um, um, go on to, to reject hypnosis, a heterohypnosis, full-blown, simply because... You know, he felt that some people could simply reject hypnosis so and hypnotic suggestions. It made sense, therefore, to learn how to effectively deliver suggestions to oneself. And thus, his, his process of conscious auto-suggestion was developed and born. Um, there's a quote in Coe's 1923 work, uh, page 42, page 43, where a woman says, I was under Bernheim as a patient. He tried to make me sleep but was unable to do so. And Kuei said, it is not practical to make people sleep, because if you are not successful, they say that they cannot be cured. Therefore, I send no one to sleep. Um, so Kuei attempted, through the very name Conscious Autosuggestion, to address two of the most fundamental misconceptions about hypnotism. Firstly, that the client is usually conscious and not asleep. You know, they're not unconscious or in a trance. Um, and secondly, that the client is not under the hypnotist's control or power, but responds primarily because he or she voluntarily accepts suggestions in the form of auto-suggestion. So, so Kueism, you know, the classic creation of Kueism, conscious auto-suggestion, was because of these, these two reasons that are, that are very popular in the socio-cognitive perspective of hypnosis and um, within, you know, probably some of the more evidence-based approaches to hypnosis. Now, unusually for the period, Q 
Kuei's books were written in a real sort of lively, popular style and contained transcripts of his seminars where he's shown interacting with patients and answering their questions, giving a very vivid impression of these events and of his character. A much more formal expression of his work and probably a much more thorough um, um, account of his work based upon a series of university lectures was published by his disciple um, Charles Baudouin in Suggestion and Autosuggestion, 1920 book. Baudouin himself was an educationalist, a psychotherapist and a professor of philosophy at the Rousseau Institute and University of Geneva. Prior to the publication of Baudouin's work in 1920, literature on the new Nancy school was scarce. And um, I'll quote, He, Kue, was written no more than a few articles in the bulletin of the school and some papers for psychological congresses. Even scantier are the writings of his pupils. The new Nancy school supplied the elements of an entire psychology, but this psychology remains unwritten. So his, his ideas seem mainly to have spread through his seminars and by word of mouth. And Kuei was undoubtedly a, a peculiarly charismatic man. Baudouin, in a preface to his book, illustrates um, Kuei's character by saying... His whole appearance is as far removed as possible from affection. You feel that he is ready at any moment to remove his coat and give a helping hand. Um, there's a photograph that shows Kue surrounded by a group of at least 60 patients, suggesting the popularity of his free-of-charge group clinics, which took place at Troy, I mentioned earlier, and subsequently Nancy. Um, Baudouin says he saw him treating over 100 patients each day, carrying out 40,000 consultations per day. That's cited in Baudouin's 1920 book. In the transcripts, he speaks to his audience of patients in a sort of pidgin English and is prone to well-meaning bossiness and excitable outbursts so that a sense of his Gallic accent and temperament d d does survive in the text. Some have dubbed him the father of modern self-help, though that does ignore the fact that many self-help books were indeed written long before his time, but he was incredibly popular um, for the day. Many people have heard of Kuiism, um, a popularity that's curiously illustrated by the fact that a description of the Kuei method was even included in the lyrics of a well-known pop song by John Lennon, Beautiful Boy. And the lyrics go... Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy, before you go to sleep, say a little prayer. Every day, in every way, it's getting better and better. That's uh, John Lennon's Beautiful Boy, 1980 song. So if I sort of move on to the meat of his, his approach, if you like, the laws of auto-suggestion, there were two basic theoretical principles of Kueism, which were firstly that all suggestion is auto-suggestion, and secondly that internal conflict occurs between the will and the imagination, but the imagination is always stronger. And these lead on to the famous laws of auto-suggestion. Firstly, the law of concentrated attention. 
these are ideas upon which attention becomes focused, go on to become correspondingly magnified in their effect. So spontaneous auto-suggestions may capture the attention automatically. Conscious auto-suggestions must be repeated with mental focus and with certainty and with faith in them. And this obviously resembles Braid's definition of hypnotism as focused attention upon a dominant idea, you know, mono-ideism. Secondly, the law of auxiliary emotion. And I'll quote Baudouin again. When, for one reason or another, an idea is enveloped in a powerful emotion, there is more likelihood that this idea will be suggestively realised. And so the auxiliary rule of emotion is capturing attention and transforming an idea into bodily action. This is a key focus, a key feature of spontaneous negative auto-suggestion, whereby negative ideas can stick in our minds because of the powerful emotions that are attached to them, especially the emotion of fear. Baudouin stresses that this gives spontaneous auto-suggestion a kind of initial advantage, as many people implicitly recognise because of our deliberate attempts at conscious auto-suggestion are unlikely to be accompanied by such strong and sincere emotion. Thirdly, we have the law of reversed effect. So, the law of reversed effect raises a sort of second obstacle to the use of auto-suggestion because the more we try to consciously struggle with a dominant idea, the more powerful its effects become. Again, I'll quote from Baudouin's book. When an idea imposes itself on the mind to such an extent as to give rise to a suggestion, all the conscious efforts which the subject makes in order to counteract this suggestion are not merely without the desired effect, but they actually run counter to the subject's conscious wishes and tend to intensify the suggestion. So he elaborates by describing the law of averse effect as exemplified by the self-antagonistic attitude of mind that says, I would like to, but I cannot. Now, this notion might be seen as similar to the modern technique of reverse psychology, a persuasion technique which aims paradoxically to persuade someone to accept an idea by suggesting the opposite to them. And this obstacle is surmounted by the special prescription of the new Nancy school, which insists that conscious auto-suggestion should be used without the slightest tension caused by too much effort and with an accompanying sense that things are easily accomplished. When you make conscious auto-suggestions, you know, giving, giving yourself suggestions, you do it naturally, according to Kuei. You do it simply and with conviction and above all, without any effort. So if unconscious and bad suggestions are so often realised, it's because they are made without effort. That's according to Kuei. Imagine things are easy and already on the road to being accomplished and avoid trying to wrestle with them through force of willpower. That's the key. Finally, we have the law of subconscious teleology. Uh, and I'll quote Baudouin. When the end has been suggested, the subconscious finds means for its realisation. So auto-suggestion therefore focuses upon the goal and allows the mind to spontaneously find its own means to achieve that goal. It is true this attitude seems conducive 
to auto-suggestion, though it should be qualified by adding that in terms of complex or long-term goals, it's usually advisable to break them down into steps and stages because the mind sometimes has a limited ability to work out solutions spontaneously. So let me talk you through the actual method, the method of conscious auto-suggestion, according to um, Kuei's literature and Baudouin's literature, and probably because of the emphasis placed upon the, the preparation of the subject, Kue only felt it was necessary to instruct his patients in two main auto-suggestion practices. That's it, just, just two. And that's the general method and the specific method. So the general method was whereby his famous general purpose formula, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. And this was to be repeated at least 20 times every single night, eyes closed, spoken monotonously in a whisper as one relaxed before drifting off to sleep. Kue even suggests using a rosary to count the repetitions, a practice similar to the mantra yoga of India. Um, however, he shrewdly adds that the caveat, I'll quote him, say it as many times as you like, only don't let it become an obsession. So the words in every way were to be given special emphasis with an awareness that they refer to both physical and mental improvement. It is a, a catch-all suggestion and the subject must feel that it refers to every possible goal they might have in mind. However, Baudouin stresses that this generic formula was most effective when the subject had previously reflected on the details of their therapeutic goals, thereby rendering in every way a meaningful expression. The kind of concrete analysis of one's goal is part of the normal process of therapy. So consequently, Baudouin advises people who lack this experience to add the following component to the exercise, and I shall uh, quote him. In addition, he should, during the day, from time to time, produce a state of self-hypnosis and should then let his mind review the detailed series of desired modifications. Only in obstinate cases will it be necessary to do this every day. But the subject will find the practice extremely useful when he has a few minutes to spare. So that's that's a general method, okay? Every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Second of all, then, we have the specific method. The specific formula is simply, it is going. And they'll say that of a pain or an acute symptom of distress. And Kue actually says, I'll quote him from my method, I, uh, my method is the name of his book, by the way. Um, I advise English-speaking people to stick to the French version. It being much easier to say, ça passe, quickly than the longer and more awkward expression, it is passing or it is going. So he thought that it, this was best done very rapidly at the risk of gabbling, he says, which he believed helped prevent the intrusion of contrary thoughts, which might conflict with the suggestion. Kue advised his students to rub the affected area lightly but rapidly at the location of pain or tension or to pass the hand over the forehead if the symptom were purely an abstract thought or feeling. In his seminars, he would rub the area himself and repeat, it is going, it is going, 
while asking the subject to mimic him by repeating the suggestion along with him. Um, the following account, it's worth me quoting this in full, okay? It's quite quite a, quite a big account, but, but l l let me read it. It's from Kuwait, 1923. So, therefore, every time that you have a pain, physical or otherwise, you will go quietly to your room. It is better if you can do this, but you can also do it in the middle of the road if necessary. But if you go to your room, sit down and shut your eyes, pass your hand lightly across your forehead if it is mental distress, or upon the part that hurts if it is a pain in any part of the body, and repeat the words, it is going, it is going. Very rapidly, even at the risk of gabbling, it is of no importance. The essential idea is to say, it is going, it is going, so quickly that it is impossible for a thought of contrary nature to force itself between the words. We thus actually think it is going, and as all ideas that we fix upon, the mind becomes a reality for us. The pain, physical or mental, vanishes. And should the pain return, repeat the process 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 times if necessary. For it is better to pass the entire day saying, it is going, than to suffer pain and complain about it. Be more patient than your pain. Drive it back to its last entrenchments. And you will find that the more you use this process, the less you will have to. That is to say, that if today you use it 50 times, tomorrow you will only use it 48, and the next day 46, and so on. So that at the end of a relatively short space of time, you will have no need to use it at all. So, according to Baudouin, Kuei prescribed that the special suggestion should be gabbled rapidly to avoid intrusion of counteracting thoughts because it aims um, at a simple sensory change. You know, by contrast, a general suggestion should be repeated slowly um, or, or piously, as he would say, um, because it's a high level instruction which requires some spontaneous reflection on the specific changes which it entails. So paradoxically, Baudouin suggests that more complex methods of auto-suggestion are only necessary for less intelligent people who fail to understand the basic underlying mechanism of suggestion in its simplicity. These people, he says, assume that the technique does the work, whereas the real agent is the imagination itself, he says. Above all, Avoid falling into a superstition about exercises and avoid an undue multiplicity of exercises. We know that the practice of auto-suggestion is simple and easy, that it needs not occasion any loss of time, that everyone can and everyone should acquire the art. The morning and evening concentration is the best, the basis of the whole thing. Exercises are no more than adjuvants, doubtless of great value but we must be careful not to overestimate their importance. So he stresses, however, that people are inclined to disbelieve in the efficacy of anything simple. So, you know, it's simple and sometimes people think it's too simple. Um, so 
I just want to talk a little bit more about the law of reversed effort or the law of converted effort, as it was often referred to in the books as well. So according to Kuwe, willpower merely strengthens the imagination when it attempts to oppose it. So he gives the example of stage fright or compulsive giggling, which, as everyone knows, tends to be made worse by the struggle to suppress them by willpower alone. As Baudouin puts it, when we're in the grip of a negative idea, it dominates the imagination and the emotions. And insofar as we try to use force against it in the form of conscious effort or willpower, without substituting a positive counter idea, we merely aggravate the situation by strengthening the mental image of the problem. He says that Kue used the simile of a man trapped in quicksand, sinking deeper the more he struggles, to illustrate the plight of the neurotic trapped in the mire of his own negative auto-suggestions. Um, so Baudouin clearly believed that the law of reversed effort was the central defining characteristic of Kue's whole method. Excessive conscious effort presupposes and evokes the idea of failure, thereby risking the evocation of antagonistic ideas. So, for example, the conscious effort to fall asleep is likely, in many cases, to focus attention on the risk of staying awake and thereby you know, stimulate conflicting idio-reflex responses. Um, I'm hoping you get that, you know, trying to put effort into falling asleep is going to have the opposite effect. Voluntary effort presupposes the idea of a resistance to be overcome. It comprises both action and reaction. The two notions are simultaneously, um, you, you know, resent at the moment of the effort. So if, um, um, if then, and you know, this is a matter of, of the first importance, um, I concentrate voluntary attention on an idea which implies my making an effort. I am simultaneously conscious of an action toward this idea and of a resistance in consequence by which the idea continually tends to escape me so that I must in unceasingly recall my wandering attention. It's how Baudouin puts it. Hence, spontaneous and reflective autosuggestion come into direct conflict and create an antagonism in the mind which paralyzes the idiomotor response. And I'm going to quote once again from Baudouin's 1920 book. In these circumstances, we do not think a single idea, but two conflicting ideas. And if our state of consciousness is sufficiently reinforced by attention for the origination of a suggestion to be possible, it is not a single suggestion that will result, but there will be two conflicting suggestions which will neutralise another more or less perfectly. The yield, therefore, will be far less copious than in the case of spontaneous suggestion. And if it should unfortunately happen that the sentiment of effort and resistance predominates, we shall probably arrive at a negative result, the reverse of that which we desire, a result whose dimensions will be proportional to the efforts we have made to avoid it. So it should be noted that Kuwe thought it essential 
to believe that change is easy. And this is one of the prerequisite beliefs of his method. It's sort of presupposed in his, in his approach. Um, and he states, always think what you have to do is easy if possible. In this state of mind, you will not spend more of your strength than just what is necessary. If you consider it difficult, you will spend 10, 20 times more strength than you need. In other words, you will waste it. So when he states that effort is not necessary, it's because in this sphere, things are as difficult or as easy as we believe them to be. As Baudouin puts it, effortlessness is a habit we must acquire if we are to practice auto-suggestion. So effort becomes superfluous if we can acquire belief in the ease of change. Uh, you know, for me, this is a beautiful thing, you know, but nevertheless, effort and willpower are an interference, but faith in oneself and confidence are essential. I'll quote Kuei again, make this auto-suggestion with confidence, with faith and with the certainty of obtaining what you want. The greater the conviction, the greater and more rapid will be the results. I love that. Now, Baudouin makes it clear that the new Nancy school consistently found this law of reversed effort to explain the initial setbacks encountered by novice students of auto-suggestion who were, as we might put it today, trying too hard, making things more difficult as a result. I'll quote Baudouin, if we inquire of the new pupils, of those that have failed in their first attempts concerning the manner in which they made their suggestions, we get some such answer as this. I took a lot of pains. I tried as hard as I could. But as soon as the pupil is made to realise that herein precisely lies his error, he promptly begins to make headway. You know, this is something that I encounter um, a great deal teaching self-hypnosis. You know, the effort error, people trying too hard and grasping, clutching at the outcomes that they're after. Kue, therefore, frequently insists that his clients exert no effort, but rather just engage their imagination. And this, this raises... Uh, a bit of a minor semantic paradox, because using one's imagination itself might be seen as an effort of will, albeit channeled in another direction. However, Kuwait acknowledges this. This is a quote from my method. I cannot too strongly insist that in the practice of auto-suggestion, the exercise of will must be strictly avoided. Except in the initial phase of directing or guiding the imagination along the desired lines. This is absolutely the only manifestation of will necessary or even desirable. So for this reason, Kue recommends practicing auto-suggestion in the morning or at night when you're on the verge of sleep. At a time when conscious effort is naturally suspended by feelings of drowsiness. During the daytime, auto-suggestions are repeated very rapidly to prevent the mind from straying onto what he referred to as antagonistic ideas. It seems likely that Kuei's observations about the laws of suggestion um, are drawn directly from his experiments with, you know, he did some suggestion experiments such as Chevrolet's pendulum. Um, for instance, when subjects are asked to try 
to stop the pendulum moving by willing it not to swing, the opposite often happens and it swings more rapidly. Um, I'm guessing that um, those of you tuning into this particular episode uh, are aware of Chevrolet's pendulum, the classic idiomotor response um, type of example. Um, but but some of Kuei's classic examples, um, 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 speaking of, of auto-suggestion, Kuei writes, it is a sort of little trick. When one learns the trick, he is able to become master of himself. So to help students get the knack of auto-suggestion, he repeatedly makes use of the same set of examples intended to support his argument that the conscious will is weaker than the imagination. The insomnia example is where Kuei points to the common experience when someone tries to get to sleep, they end up achieving the opposite, often keeping themselves awake as a result of their efforts. Or the forgetting example where people forget a name, they often find that the more they try to remember it, the more frustrated they become. But when they stop making the effort, it pops back into their mind unbidden. There's a laughter example, you know, when you have a, an uncontrollable fit of giggles, often complain that the more pressure is put on them to stop laughing, the more they find it difficult to stop. Um, Kuei um, 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 makes, makes a number of different references to this. Um, um, he also talks about the cycling example. When someone's learning to ride a bike, they worry about hitting a bump and falling off. The more they struggle to maintain balance, the more likely they seem to be to achieve the opposite and crash into things. Um, um, there's the stammering example that he would often use, where uh, the more worried a stammerer becomes about their speech, the more errors they tend to make. Um and and he also used the walking the plank example, where he t- took an illustration from the famous French philosopher um, Blaise Pascal. Kuei then asks us to imagine walking across a long plank of wood placed on the floor. He asks whether we'd be able to do the same um, um, with the same ease if the plank were suspended across a street at the height of an American skyscraper. And the anxious imagination of falling interferes with our conscious intention to perform an act as simple as walking in a straight line. Um, So from those points, Kuei would then conclude with a bit of a flourish. I'll quote him. Therefore, I repeat that every time the will and the imagination come in conflict Not only can we not do that which we wish, but we do precisely the contrary. And these arguments are of interest mainly for their rhetorical value. You know, Kuei found from experience that they were simple and universal enough to carry his point in front of a variety of different audiences. So he would then have his practical experiments. And a lot of his practical experiments represent um, um, or, or you know you will recognize them um, greatly from some of the demonstrations and um, um, type of hypnotic phenomena demonstrations that are used by street and stage hypnotists today. Kuei implicitly acknowledged the role of idiomotor action that was termed idioreflex by Baudouin. The, the, the physiological process by which the imagination exerts a causal effect 
upon certain physical processes. Kue said, every thought entirely filling our mind becomes true for us and tends to transform itself into action. He uses a series of standardised waking suggestion experiments to demonstrate what he meant um, um, by the conflict between will and imagination, just like I've said and just like I've been explaining. Similar suggestion tests are now widely used in modern stage hypnosis as well as clinical hypnotherapy. Um, he describes the group explanation and demonstration he gives really colourfully as cultivating the soil of his audience's mind to prepare them for planting the seeds of therapeutic autosuggestion. Um, they must understand autosuggestion in order to benefit from the method. And his performance is crucial in building their confidence in themselves and their ability to influence their mind and body. If people have merely read about the Kue method, um, um, they, could, they, they have the potential to fail to make it work. It, um, and, and, and that is perhaps because they've not prepared themselves beforehand in a similar manner um, with some of these these illustrations that I've been talking about. If Kue knows that the subject can respond to suggestion tests, he knows they've probably understood how to make auto-suggestion work and they're ready to put it into practice. So um, um, he would use a hand clasp experiment where um, subjects were asked to clasp their hands tightly together and straighten their arms. They're asked to tell themselves, I will open my hands, but I cannot, I cannot. Sometimes muttering the words rapidly under their breath. To which Kue adds forcefully, your hands lock tighter and tighter, always tighter. He continues to suggest that the hands are clenching tighter and cannot be separated by effort so long as the imagination is fixed on the contrary idea. Sometimes muttering the words rapidly under the breath. After a pause, he then instructs the client to tell themselves, I can to imagine they can, and to separate their hands. So indeed, this particular test has become a mainstay of many hypnotic demonstrations over the years. Um, and, it, and here's Kue using it back in the 1920s. Note that Kue's emphasis upon repeating, I cannot, aloud before turning this into I can, might be taken to resemble the notion of self-efficacy statements in Bandura's research. Um, those of you that follow my work or have been aware um, um, of my work know that I, I talk about that a great deal, self-efficacy in Bandura. Um, he would have the postural sway experiment where the subject would stand tense and rigid like a plank and were instructed to suggest to himself that he's falling forward or falling back to be caught by Kue. There'd be the fist clench experiment um, um, where he couldn't open it. The pen drop where the pen is stuck to the hand. The hand stuck to the leg or a table. Um, arm catalepsy, leg catalepsy and being stuck in a chair. Um, as well as the classic, you know, sucking a lemon experiment, which is um, which is detailed in his book, My Method, in 1922, in which, you know, the subjects were asked to visualise in detail that they were sucking a lemon. And notice the tendency for the mouth to salivate. Um, salivate. Um, um, and this was, you know, a, a classic example of the idioreflex response, the effect of autosuggestion and imagination upon the autonomic processes of the body. So these techniques 
take the form of either auto-suggestions of one simple muscular movement, such as the postural sway, or of two antagonistic muscular responses, such as the, the hand clasp, which causes a kind of catalepsy in response to challenges to resist the original dominant idea. Baudouin favoured the use of Chevrel's pendulum um, um, experiment. You know, that's whereby you would hold the, the, the pendulum, um, consciously attempt to hold it still, but imagine it um, imagine it moving, um, um, and and it would do. But then, if you asked um, um, to, to to challenge, you know, stop imagining it moving. Typically, it would carry on moving, and it would show it. Um, that there was a very particular conclusion to his seminar, and the conclusion to his seminar is will be will be the conclusion to to, to my uh, to to this podcast um, edition too. Um, Kuei, in 1923 book, Kuei ends his seminars by asking his subjects to close their eyes. Despite rejecting the label self-hypnosis, he accepts that closing the eyes and relaxing helps to focus the mind on the imagination. He then delivers a long series of positive suggestions for the whole group, which each person is to repeat internally. He begins by gracefully reassuring the audience that with their consent, his suggestions will remain fixed permanently in their mind and will have an effect upon the whole organism. Um, His words. And they can be accepted easily because they're seen to be helpful and for the audience is good. What follows then is a fairly traditional hypnosis script that is um, um, focused on general physical well-being and healthy functioning. And he concludes with a powerful statement of self-efficacy or ego strengthening. Um, Finally, and above all, and this is the most essential for everyone, If up to the present you have felt a certain distrust of yourself, this trust from now, this distrust from now onwards will gradually disappear and will give place to a feeling of confidence in yourself. You will have confidence in yourself. You hear me. You will have confidence in yourself. I repeat it. And this confidence will enable you to do whatever you want to do well even very well, whatever it may be, on condition, naturally, that it is reasonable. Believing that the thing which you wish to do is easy, it becomes so for you, although it may appear difficult to others. And you will do this thing quickly and well, with pleasure, without fatigue, without effort, while on the other hand, had you discovered considered it difficult or impossible it would have become so for you simply because you would have thought it so so you know modern hypnotists believe it's better to focus mainly on the solution or where it's necessary to mention a problem or mistake to speak of it briefly first and then follow by referring in more depth to a more positive outcome and that even seems to follow from Kuei's own theory. Nevertheless, the overall effect of, of his seminars must have given participants an impressive sense of the potential of auto-suggestion. 
Um, for anybody wanting to explore further, uh, the best summary of the new Nazi school approach is Charles Baudouin's popular suggestion and auto-suggestion. Um, the following books are the ones that I've referred to by Kue, which may be of interest to you too. Um, they're available in a wide variety of dis- um, um, editions. Some are even available free of charge on internet websites. Um, the 1922 Kue book, Self Mastery Through Conscious Auto-Suggestion. The 1923 book by Kue, How to Practice Suggestion and Auto-Suggestion. And the 1923 book by Kue, My Method. Um, I'll put, um, I, I will quote and put the titles and references of all of those books um, over on this uh, page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, so that is it for this week. Um, I love the work of Emil Kue. I, I hope you do too. Um, his work is a major historical precursor to the field of self-hypnosis and has contributed greatly to the way self-hypnosis is conducted today. Uh, many threads of his work are, are supported by very well-researched principles. If you want to learn about the most evidence-based approach to self-hypnosis, do consider coming and joining my one-day seminar on the subject. We have new dates. Uh, there's a link to the college website page on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website, and that's enough that I will say about it. We'll be returning with our usual format next week with our, um, with our planned guest. Um, in coming episodes of Hypnosis Weekly, I'll be welcoming back former guests of the show who will discuss and share the work of their own heroes of hypnosis, so look out for those. My thanks go out to Emil Kue and, of course, Charles Baudouin, who shared Kue's work so readily and so wonderfully. My thanks to you for tuning in as you do each week. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.